Good morning, and welcome again to Journey. Uh, my name is Randy, and this is an unusual day in a lot of ways. Uh, we, uh, we are one week out from starting our in-person services uh, completely, uh, but we have a big day going on because later on the service, uh, Dagan Bush is going to be baptized. We're so excited about that, and we got a, a pretty good crowd. Yes, absolutely. A pretty good crowd of people here to support him, and they had that plan back when we were originally going to open up back in May. And we, we definitely want that to happen today. So we're, we're pumped about that. And let me also explain, uh, we were planning on opening on March, uh, excuse me, May 24th. And the week before that, I had a little cough. And so I'm like, you know what? People are going to think I got the virus. So I'm going to go take a test to say I got a cough, but I don't have virus. And I turned it out to have the virus. Uh, my test, I tested positive, which was really a shock. Uh, I was pretty asymptomatic. Uh, that's been about three weeks ago or more. So I'm definitely not contagious. I'm one of those safe people. Uh, but I've been out for three weeks, and I'm ready to get back and to bring you some really, really good news. Because I think all of us would love to have some good news today. And if you have been uh, kind of following TV, if you're a YouTube person, you know that a few weeks ago, John Krasinski, who, helped, uh, who played Jim Halbert on The Office, uh, the sitcom, he decided in the world today needed some good news. And so he started a YouTube series comprised totally of good news, and he called it Some Good News, S-G-N, probably seen those letters somewhere. And millions of people would tune in from their quarantine space at home and, and, and watch as he celebrated people who overcame problems and adversity, people who served others, people who survived the virus, people who even helped other people, and generally gave hope to the world during this time. He even hosted a, vis a virtual prom for uh, teenagers who had missed their own prom. And uh, their series got a, a five-star rating because, I mean, who, after all, who doesn't like some good news? And as an added bonus, I, I read recently uh, that Krasinski actually sold the rights to some good news to CBS. So there's some more good news, I'm sure, for him, an uh, undisclosed amount, uh, but I'm sure that it was plenty. The reality is that we all need some good news. We all need to be encouraged at times. I mean, we really do. It's been proven that bad news causes a lot of health issues. Not only mental health, but also physical health as well, as well. But good news, in turn, actually brings hope and health to us physically, mentally, and even spiritually. And the Bible uh, uh, reinforces that. Proverbs chapter 15 says, Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. So if someone's coming with good news and you can see it in their eyes, your spirits already begin to lift. And have you noticed that our spirits seem to rise and fall on the tone of the news? I mean, if the stock market is up, we're like, yes, things are good. If it goes down, we're like, oh, you know, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to survive. Uh, many people, the five o'clock update leaves us either hopeful or depressed, depending on whether it's good news or bad news. And to be honest with you, we can't survive life like that with that many ups and downs. We need to have a constant flow of good news in order to help us overcome the constant flow of bad news that the world feeds us. And have you ever noticed, too, maybe it's just me, but it seems to me like the news media seems to delight in delivering bad news. They're excited about bad news, and at the end of the broadcast, after we've had about all we can handle, or maybe you've checked out, they'll say, oh, by the way, there's some good news. And that's how they leave, with one little spark of good news before the sign-off. You know, we all need good news. Good news gives us hope when we're in the middle of a crisis or a struggle or battle. 
a good health news when we're, we're struggling with a health problem, and the doctor says, I've got good news. You know, that, that's what you want to hear, right? Even when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, which we have been, the world needs some good news. And you know, Jesus came to bring that. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was born, remember that? The angel came and said, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all the people, because today a Savior has been born. And then in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus actually began his ministry, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news. You know, I don't know about you, but when I heard that there was a plan to reopen our country and our economy, uh, it it was good news to to me. It really was because we had heard almost nothing but bad news for several weeks. But just having a plan gave us hope, didn't it? Just the thought, we're going to begin this plan to open things up. Well, I want to tell you, a plan can always be good news, and God has a plan for our lives that is certainly good news and that can bring hope to our world today. And God's plan, unlike our plans, which are sometimes iffy, and like we know with our reopening, they fall through sometimes, God's plan always works. God's plan is perfect, and it's made for a perfect world, and that's the world that you and I have never, ever experienced. You know, we hear people today talking about getting back to normal, and then someone jumps in with bad news and says, well, it won't be normal again. It'll be what? It'll be a new normal. You know, and so what's a new normal look like? We're thinking that's not as good as it used to be, right? But I want to tell you that normal wasn't even perfect. The normal that we lived in, have lived in for years, it wasn't perfect either, and it wasn't what God intended. Because God's plan is good news for us regardless of what's going on around us. And we need to understand His plan, celebrate the plan, live in God's plan, share the plan with other people. And that's what I want to do in this series. I want to talk about what God's original plan was for the earth and for mankind and what life here was supposed to be like. And so this morning, we're going to talk primarily about that. The series is going to be about heaven, which is the best news ever that we can look forward to. But today, we're going to kind of talk about what life should have been like in the beginning. And it all really begins in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings, right? In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you see, God had a grand dream and a vision for our earth. It was not random, I'm going to do this and that. No, I'll throw that in. God had a design and a plan all the way through. He was very intentional and very focused. And the Bible tells us about that plan of creation, that after God had created this perfect environment, a perfect ecosystem for the earth, animals, plants, everything beyond our imagination, God created His prized creation, and that was mankind. In Genesis chapter 2, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. This creation was different than every other thing he had created, every animal, even mammals that he had created, God made them and he put them on the earth, but then God formed man himself from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man was not alive until God breathed the breath of life into him, his spirit into him. And that, that kind of gives us an important truth about our lives, is that we are made in the image of God and that we have a spiritual side. We actually have uh, two sides of our life. One of them is the physical person. It's what you and I see when we look at one another. We're all different. We're all designed and made differently, but we recognize each other because of our physical body. But then inside of us is the second part. It is the spiritual soul. 
that God gives to us. This is what animates us. It's who we really are. It's what makes the body move. It's what gives the body life. And it's very easy to know when the soul is not there, we call that death, right? But in this body that God gave us, He gave us the ability to think, to create, to explore, to express, and to work. And that was God's intention for mankind in the garden. God made us male and female. He made us different in that way. We can be very different, right? And He did that to complement us and for us to build a family, to build communities, to build nations, and to go, and He said, populate and dominate the earth. And then on the seventh day, God gave us a rhythm to all of this. God gave us a day of rest and worship, a day that we should come and take a break from everything. And we, we worship on the Lord today. And so you see, God made His perfect world, and He had a perfect plan. In fact, in the beginning, it was perfect. God would walk and talk daily with His creation, Adam and Eve, in the garden. There was a perfect relationship with the physical body. You know, we struggle sometimes. People say, man, my... my um, heart is willing, the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak, I just don't feel like doing it. We, there was a perfect harmony between the spirit and the body at that point. There was harmony uh, between human beings. There was no bickering or fighting between Adam and Eve. There was no sickness, no suffering, no pain, no death. There was no shame. There was no regret or fear. All those things were gone. Just harmony and hope and peace were there and joy. It was a perfect setting. And guys, that was the original design and desire in the beginning. And I got to be honest and tell you, I think it continues to be God's plan. That's why I'm excited about it, because we get an idea of what God intended life to be like. And also, I think that kind of shows us what heaven might be like as well, a perfect environment. But then we know what happened, right? We know that something went terribly wrong with the plan. There was a problem, And today, we understand that. We know what it was. You know, today, in our lives, we live on basically the one side of of who we are, the physical realm. It's what we think about. It's what we see. It's how we live our lives. But we know that there's also, just as we have a spiritual soul, there's also a spiritual realm that we don't often see, that we don't sometimes even think about the spiritual level and the realm. And someone said that we kind of live in the shadow of that, the shadow lands of that spiritual realm where everything is taking place around us and we're down here on the earth and we think this is all there is, you know, and there's so much more. And the problem in our world came actually in the spiritual realm before creation began. And that was when there was a major conflict in heaven. One of the chief angels, Lucifer, rose up against God and he led thousands of like-minded angels with him and they led a rebellion against God. We don't know a lot about Lucifer, but obviously he was a prince among the angels. He was pretty powerful, but he wanted to be God himself. And so he rose up against God, and there was a battle. In fact, Revelation chapter 12 gives us a picture of that. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael, who's the archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. So you got a cosmic battle going on where Michael and the archangels are fighting against Lucifer and his angels, and we know who's going to win, but it was a hard battle. And finally, Satan lost, was defeated, and was thrown to the earth. Isaiah chapter 14 also describes, refers to this rebellion. 
But Lucifer lost his place in heaven, and he comes to the earth specifically in the Garden of Eden, which at that time was actually heaven on earth, and he comes to ruin it for mankind. And then we find that in Genesis chapter 3. Now, Satan came to the woman in the form of a serpent, and he tempted her to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. The only tree that God said you shall not eat from. People think the Bible's boring. This is, this is fascinating. I'm telling you. This is amazing just to, to hear about this. But God had put him in the garden. He made all these trees, all this fruit, two primary trees, a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, eat from the tree of life, enjoy that, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he didn't tell him why, but Satan came and he had his, his reasoning. He said, you know, the reason God doesn't want you to eat from that tree was because when you do, you will be like God and you will know all things. And that temptation was more than Eve could stand. We know the story that Eve eats the fruit after being tempted. She gives some to Adam. He eats the fruit as well. And instantly, in disobedience, things changed in our world. The Bible says their eyes were open, not in a good way, but they were open to their sin, what they had done. They, were, they felt shame for their actions. They felt shame for their nakedness. They looked down, they didn't have any clothes on, and so they hid from God in shame. They hid from one another. Uh, they, they were insecure. In an instant, everything changed, and heaven that existed to this point on earth was gone. You know, I asked my small group the other night, I said, how long do you think Adam and Eve actually survived in the garden before their sin? And obviously, nobody knows that. We don't know. Was it a long time? Was it a very short time? We, we really don't know. But it didn't, one thing is sure, they didn't last indefinitely, and they failed. And then they hid from one another, but they also hid from God. The God who had walked with them and talked with them in the, in the evening was searching for them, but God didn't let them get away. He pursued them. Like God always does, He pursues us, He wants us. And God knew instantly what had happened, and now the repercussions were coming. In fact, we know what they were. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that the snake itself, this animal was cursed uh, because Satan appeared as a snake. We don't know how snakes got around before that. I always kind of wondered that, if they kind of curled up with like a pogo stick or something that bounced around. I don't know, but the curse was they had to crawl on the ground. My opinion, that's why we don't like snakes. Normal people mostly don't care for snakes uh, today. But at any rate, that, they're, they're put a, a, a tension and hatred between uh, humans and snakes. And I don't think snakes like us very well either, to be honest with you. Uh, the woman was punished, and part of her punishment was to have pain in childbirth, which obviously I'm told is, is very real. And also to be under submission to her husband, which is interesting as well. But then all of mankind was punished. They were forced to leave the garden. And God said this to them, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. And so, one of the major punishments was that man would die. And from that moment forward, sickness and death became a part of our reality. But even beyond that, even beyond that, the world, we are, we are at uh, uh, in opposition to the world sometimes. Have you ever noticed that everything that you do seems to be pushing against you? Have you ever noticed that? I've noticed, I was like, why couldn't that just be easy? 
You know, if you're trying to take a nut off something, you know, it just won't come off. Why is that? Well, I think it's because sin, it's just pushing against us and the corrosion of our world. Have you ever noticed that everything seems to take twice as long as it should? I can do that in 10 minutes. Three hours later, you're done with the job, maybe. It just takes forever. It just seems like everything pushes against us. And there's also a constant flow of bad news and world problems and natural, natural disasters and sickness and death and conflict in our world. This is why it all comes down to this point in, in history. Because of sin, not only are we pushing against everything, but we're pushing against God. We're separated from God. We're fighting against creation. We're fighting against ourselves, against one another. We're never satisfied. We're restless. We're always longing for something, something elusive that we don't know what it is. We're always trying to catch it and find it. See, because of how we were created, there's a longing in us for happiness and for, to be healthy. There's a longing inside of us. And we seek that happiness and that peace in all different ways and in various places, and in different people. And, and normally, we, we get very discouraged, very disillusioned, distracted, deceived, disappointed, because we never quite get what we were longing for, what we wanted out of life. And we move sometimes from one person, one relationship to another one, from one thrill, one obsession to another, from one home to another, one town to another, looking for happiness. Because there's a longing in us for something that we, we can't quite get. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to change or move or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that, is that if you do those things because you can't find happiness and peace anywhere, that somewhere else and somebody else is probably not going to make you happy as well. A new location, a new spouse isn't going to satisfy you either. Because we all have this longing for something more. We long for heaven. That's what we're looking for. It's what we were made for. That's what we're anticipating. And we will not find heaven on the earth as much as we move. You know, I think it's kind of interesting about, about moving. Most of us have moved at some point in our life. Uh, 23 years ago, almost 23 years ago exactly, uh, our family moved to Versailles. And uh, we were so excited. I, I grew up in Kentucky, and uh, lived in, we lived in southern Indiana for 10 years and uh, we loved the area. It was closer to my family and my home. You know, it's a beautiful place to live. It's a great, safe place for us to, you know, to live. But, but we didn't know a lot about Versailles. In fact, I didn't even know exactly where Versailles was. And uh, so, you know, we can find it on a map uh, these days. Remember, this is 23 years ago. And uh, people like me didn't use the internet, internet much 23 years ago. So I had a lot of questions about Versailles. How do you find out about somewhere that you are going to move to? How do you do that? Well, today you would jump online, get a lot of information. But we had all these questions about, about Versailles. Where is Versailles? Our kids would say, where's Versailles at? We don't know where that is. What is Versailles like? What is it like? What do the people in Versailles do? We still want to know <laughs> what we do in Versailles, right? We were wondering, what, what do people do there? Who's in charge of the town? What's the leadership of the place like? Are we going to fit in with the people who live there? Those are all questions that we want to know, if we're, that we long to know if we're going to move somewhere, right? I think those are the same questions we have about heaven. Because that's going to be a major move for us at some point. We definitely want to go there, but we want to know something about it. We know that heaven is better than where we are, right? When we moved here, we knew there was a better place. After all, we lived in southern Indiana. I don't know if you're from there, but almost anywhere is better than there. So we're, we're, we're going to a better place, that for sure. But we didn't know much about it. 
And I think that a lot of times heaven is like that. It's the place that God planned for us to be. It's the place we all want to go. But we don't know a lot about heaven. Now, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 that God has set eternity in our human heart. That God has put it in our heart to long for heaven and to want to be there. But So we need to know more about that. A longing for home, a place to belong, eternity, a satisfying place. Heaven's going to be that. And so we want to know as much about heaven as we possibly can. <coughs> Where is heaven? How do we get there? What are we going to do in heaven? It's a great question, isn't it? I think the more we know about heaven, the more we're going to long for heaven, and the more we're going to want to go there, and the more we're going to want other people to go there with us as well. And I will tell you, on the other side, that great dragon, Satan, the one who was thrown out of heaven himself and will never be back there, the one who came down to make life not heaven but hell for us here on the earth, he tries to distort us in telling us what heaven is like. He has a narrative he has written about heaven, and I bet, it, I bet you've seen this middle picture or maybe you've seen it uh, as a literal picture, and that is that we're going to be sitting on a cloud and we're going to have these little tiny wings that could never possibly support our bodies. And we're going to be wrapped in a sheet, kind of like a toga, and we're going to be playing a harp. And I don't know about you, but if you're a man, that is not appealing to any man that I know, all right? Uh, and not only that, it sounds extremely boring, boring and disgusting, right? Meanwhile, he says, that's what heaven's like. Meanwhile, let me tell you what hell's like. Hell will be a party. Hell would be a party. Booze, all the booze you can drink, all the women you can imagine there. It's going to be music. It's going to be a great time. And that is not true either. That is not true. But many people buy that lie that hell is going to be a place with just no rules, anything you want, and they're going to have fun, and that is not the reality. So in this series, we're going to talk about what heaven is going to be like. We're going to talk about what we're going to do there and what the Bible says about heaven. I'm excited. I'm loving studying this. But right now, I want to take a moment and I want to talk to you about what happens when a believer dies. What happens when someone dies? Because death is the way that most of us are going to get to heaven, right? When you think about it, if the Lord doesn't come back while we're alive, we're all going to die sooner or later. You know, we've been trained to believe that death is the worst thing that could happen to somebody. I mean, we talk about that. We think about that. Wow, we, we could be killed. We could die. The reality is we're all going to die at some point. We hope it's not tragic. We hope it's not young. We hope it's easy, you know, but we're all going to, to die. And here's the reality for the believer. Death is actually the best thing that could happen because it ushers us into the place that God's prepared for us. But that's only for believers, only for believers. Because for the unbeliever, it is the worst thing that could happen. Philippians chapter 1 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Being with Jesus in heaven is going to be a lot better than anything on this earth. And we can have peace in that. We don't rush to death. We don't hurry death. We don't cause death. We trust God. But as believers, we should not fear death. We should never fear death. But because death is certain, whenever we die, let's talk about what happens there. Whenever we die, the two parts that we talked about, the body and the soul separate. The word death means separate, means to separate. So the body and the soul actually separate. The body goes into the ground or to ashes or however we we care for that. And the soul of the believer goes into the presence of God. 
And the Bible says that when Jesus returns, that the soul and the body, which will then be a resurrected body, like Jesus was resurrected, they're going to be reunited. Now, we don't understand all of that. I don't understand all of that, but I don't have to. It's not my job to figure it out. I just want to do it. I just want to be a part of it. That's something that we take by faith. That's what God said. We just believe that. There is no better plan. There's no other plan, all right? To help assure us, though, and to satisfy our curiosity, the Bible gives us a peek into the eternal side every now and then, which is really cool when God says, let me show you something. I don't know about you, but the last few weeks, I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings. I am about Zoomed out, to be honest with you, because they're, they're, it's exhausting just to do it. But when you, when you Zoom with some, somebody, you're with people that you can't actually be with uh, because of the pandemic or whatever, or distance, whatever it may be. And uh, it, with Zoom, we're apart, but we can see into each other's lives. You know, I always, when I Zoom, I want to make sure the house is not a wreck behind me. And, you know, the things look nice because people are looking into your house or looking into your office. They're kind of looking in a place that they're not there. The Bible kind of gives us these Zoom moments, you know, where God says, let me show you something here. And we get a glimpse of the working of heaven. The Bible tells us also that there are those in heaven who can see us. In Hebrews, we, we read about the great cloud of witnesses. Remember reading that, that are watching us, people who obviously have gone on before us and who are waiting for us and cheering us on. We can't hear them. The crowd is there. The fans, they're watching us. Uh, that should remind us some, of some accountability, right, when we're alone. But the Bible talks about the cloud of witnesses who've gone on before. And one of these uh, little Zoom calls from heaven is in Revelation chapter 6, where, where John received the revelation of Jesus. Uh, where he wrote it down. And it says this, John said, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer, which I think is human nature. <laughs> They're impatient. But these are martyrs, seemingly, people who had died for the cause of Christ, and they're in uh, the presence of Jesus, but they're aware of what's going on. They're watching all this, that cloud of witnesses. They're watching us here, and they're seeking justice. And they're saying, are you about ready to bring justice to us because we were martyred for our faith? And Jesus said, here, you know, put this robe on and wait a little bit longer. It's not time, because God has a time. We don't know when that time is. It could be any moment. It could be today. Wouldn't it be great if it were today? If you're a believer, it would be great if it were today. And we'd be in the presence of our Lord. By the way, remember that there's no time in heaven. People say, what are we going to do while we're waiting for everybody else to die or Jesus to come back? I don't think it's a time issue. You know, time is caused by the sun and the moon, and, you know, that's part of earth. It's not necessarily part of heaven. The Bible says that heaven's e eternal. There's not a time clock on that, so we don't need to worry about that time thing. But one day, God's going to come back, and He's going to make everything right and everything new. He promises that. Don't you get excited about that? I mean, just to think about what could happen there? Because one day, God's going to repair the world that mankind has broken. He's going to fix everything. All of creation is longing for that. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, the pandemic was a blip, less than a blip on the timeline of eternity. 
that our present sufferings are nothing compared with the glory that will be revealed. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, that's God, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. This is some of the language that's used about, uh, about the earth and about Jesus coming back and being made new is childbirth. You know, uh, when, when a woman is pregnant, she longs for that moment. And the closer it gets, them, I'm told, the more they long for that moment. And it's got it's to happen really, really quick. But it's going to happen. You don't know when. You never know when. But it's definitely going to happen. And that's how, that's how Jesus' return will be. It's going to happen. And the longer we wait, it's not the less likely it's going to happen. It's the more likely it's going to happen. But it's definitely going to happen all in God's time all in God's time. Things here are not as they should be. They're not how God intended them to be, not how God made them. There are present sufferings, but one day all of that's going to be made right. And God's going to fix the problem that we caused by sin. And he's going to return, I believe, to his original plan, and all this will be made right as God intended for it to be. The creation will be liberated, that's what he says, and restored. And meanwhile, even if things here aren't perfect, and they're not, we can live in harmony with God, and we can look forward to the time that we will be with Him in eternity. But you know what we have to do in order to understand this? We have to acknowledge the present world is not perfect. It is not perfect. And we've been reminded of that very clearly the last few weeks, haven't we? You know, we all want a perfect world today. We all want racial equality we all want social justice. We want people to have a great job. We long for that, to have a home, plenty of food, happiness. And we try to desperately do that. You know, some, some in our world are trying to seek that through socialism, which sounds like it like, might work, but it's really, it won't because it's not the answer. It's a human philosophy. There is an answer, and that is Jesus. We're not going to fix our broken world. Only Jesus is going to fix this world. And we can do our part. I'm not saying we don't do anything and we need to press toward those things. But the reality is, is that we long for something that we'll never, ever have until Jesus comes back in the new heaven and the earth. And all those things will be realized, and more and more. Second Peter chapter 3 says, But in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And guys, that's the good news. That is the good news in the middle of the bad news that we have today. We all want to hear that. Because we all have dreamed of a perfect place where there is no sin or pain or suffering or conflict or disharmony, where all is peace and joy and everything as it should be, and that is heaven. And one day, through Christ alone, we will be able to experience that. That's our hope. That's what we long for. And that, guys, is some good news. Good news that we need to anticipate, plan for, not deceive ourselves into thinking everybody's going to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. It says only those who are in Christ will experience this glorious place and good, be good news because the second coming of Jesus will be really bad news for people who do not have a relationship with him. We're going to talk more about this. I hope you come back. I hope you join us again online, however you do it, as we in the next few weeks. I'm excited about it, uh, but it's, it's awesome to think about. Because we have a God who loves us, 
and he draws us to come to him.